Well, good morning, church family. Here it is, uh, Wednesday, July the 8th of 2020, and we have the opportunity to open up the Word of God again in our midweek uh, Bible study, our midweek uh, devotional and encouragement. Uh, and before we take a look at the uh, second part here of Psalm 119, verses 9 through 16, let's open up in a word of prayer. Gracious Heavenly Father, as we enter this uh, new day and as we're midway through this uh, uh, new week, uh, Lord, I, uh, I pray that you would uh, just guide us and may your word continue to transform us. May we see firsthand the purifying power of your word in our lives. And I pray this for each and every one of us today in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, as you know, we're in uh, the fourth part here, uh, actually part two of section two uh, of Psalm 119. Uh, and I'd like to go ahead and just uh, reread um, the section entitled uh, Baith, uh, which uh, again, it actually literally means house. And so last time we talked about how we could make uh, our hearts or prepare our hearts to be the home for the word of God. Uh, and we, we took a look at uh, this section Beginning in verse 9, where it says, How can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. With my whole heart I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. I have stored up your word in my heart that I may not sin against you. Blessed are you, O Lord. Teach me your statutes. With my lips I declare all the rules of your mouth. In the way of your testimonies I delight as much as in all riches. I will meditate on your precepts and fix my eyes on your ways. I will delight in your statutes. I will not forget your word. Well, with that as our background, as you know, we took a look at uh, verses 9 and 10 last time. And so we're going to be picking it up here in verse 11 as we continue to see the purifying power of the word of God in our lives. It says, I have stored up your word in my heart that I may not sin against you. See, the thing is, storing up the Word of God in our heart should not be just an end in itself. Uh, there is a benefit in storing, uh, because that means that we are prepared for something yet to come. Uh, and as we think about storing the Word of God in our heart, uh, the, the goal or the benefit of storing or hiding, uh, in some translations, uh, the Word of God in our heart is for the purpose of not sinning against God. So that... It keeps us from sinning against him in thought, word, or deed, uh, which is something that we need to guard ourselves, as we remembered in, in the first uh, verse there, uh, verse 9 of this section, uh, of how do we keep our way pure? Uh, by guarding it according to your word. Listen to what James Montgomery Boyce said. He says, memorizing is precisely what is called for, since it is... Uh, only when the Word of God is readily available in our minds that we are able to recall it uh, in moments of need and profit by it. You know, and, and I thought about that in, in relation to the fact that, you know, when Christ was in the wilderness, uh, he uh, had the Word of God memorized so that he was at that moment when he was being tempted by uh, Satan himself, he was able to stand on the truth of the eternal Word of God. And to, to speak truth, to guard his thoughts, his words, and his deeds in relation to uh, the devil himself. And it also reminded me of uh, the importance of uh, storing up God's word in, my, in our hearts. As uh, I think about Deuteronomy uh, chapter 6, uh, where we have, um, uh, in relation to the greatest commandment, 
Uh, it says here, starting in verse 4, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit down in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. So this truth here of loving the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might, those words that God commanded the children of Israel uh, then are words that we uh, today take heart in, take to, to heart, uh, is that we should love the Lord our God with all our heart, with all our soul, and with our might. Uh, and he says, today they shall be on our heart. So today is our goal to love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and even adding strength to that list, uh, it, because it should be. And you'll notice the action here. It says that you shall teach them diligently. You shall talk of them. You shall bind them as a sign. You shall write them on the doorposts. All these actions to reassure, to remind, to put forth right there in front uh, in every aspect of life, whether we are sitting down, whether we're rising up, whether we're working, uh, whether we're at play, whether we are in church worshiping God, we should do so as we love the Lord our God with all of our heart, our soul, our might, and our strength. And later on in Deuteronomy chapter 30, uh, uh, as Moses continues to pen uh, in, in chapter 30, verse uh, starting in verse 11, it says, For this commandment I command uh, you today is not too hard for you, neither is it afar off. And again, this, this uh, commandment that is being spoke of uh, is the the command to, to love the Lord. It says, It is not in heaven that you should say, Who will ascend to heaven for us and bring it to us, that we may hear it and do it? Neither is it beyond the sea that you should go, who, who will go over, or who should say, who, who will go over the sea and, for us and bring it to us, that we may hear it and do it. But the word is very near you. It is in your mouth and in your heart so that you can do it. So the Word of God is right here. We actually have it right here for us to, to take in. It, it is not hard. We don't have to go anywhere for it. God has given it to us, and we have it so that we can store it in our heart so that it can guard us against sinning before God. Well, moving on to verse 12, it says, Blessed are you, O Lord, teach me your statutes. So here is a, a little bit of a, a, a transition because the, the psalmist is stopping for a moment to offer up a, a prayer of, of praise. He says, Blessed are you, O Lord. Blessed are you, O Lord. As we remember God's word, as we engage in everyday life, we, we cannot forget to stop and to praise God for the fact that we, we have a God that cares enough, that loves us enough, to send his son Jesus Christ to die for us so that we may live not just to have eternal life but to experience a, a relationship with the, the creator God for him to to walk with us to guide us to lead us to direct us to undergird us 
as we live every day, uh, not just for delivering us into eternity to be with him, but for each and every day. And so we need to stop and take those times to praise the Lord, to thank him for what we have in him. And, and he goes on to say, as in part of that prayer, to teach me your statutes. Uh, statutes is one of those words that's used in relation to the word of God, and it means God's enacted laws. So the, the psalmist is saying, you know, blessed are you, and I, and I praise you because you are Lord. Teach me the, the laws that you have put forth that are there for my benefit. And to teach me just who you are that I should not have any other gods before you, that you alone should I worship, that I should live in a way that is holy and blameless before you. See, we are disciples and students of God for our entire lives. Uh, and really, I think we'll be students of God for all of eternity because God's understanding is, is, is beyond measure. Uh, and as he teaches us, as he, he reveals to us, as we... Uh, grow in our walk with him, uh, the more he has to reveal to us. Um, in 1 Corinthians 11.1, 1, uh, Paul says, Be imitators of me as I am of Christ. So Paul is saying, you know, be not just be an imitator of me, but be an imitator of Christ who is in me. Uh, and so Paul is saying that, that Christ is everything in me. I don't want you to be a little Paul. I want you to be a little Christ. Uh, and he's asking God to teach uh, us like, uh, you know, God was teaching him, that Christ was, was an example to him. See, our prayer before God is, God, teach us, because we have so much we don't know. Teach us how we should live, because only uh, litmus that we had prior to our faith in, in you and in your son, Jesus Christ, was what sin was all about. We knew that well. We enjoyed that. Uh, that was what defined our lives. But because of Christ, that is no longer who I am. And so teach me. You know, as the psalmist says in Psalm 25, 4, Make me to know your ways. O Lord, teach me your paths. We don't want the paths of this world. We know what they're all about. We know how they end. Uh, we know what they are full of. And that's nothing. Uh, they are empty. Uh, it, it is, uh, as the psalmist says in Psalm 86, 11, Teach me your way, O Lord, that I may walk in your truth. Unite my heart to fear your name. That I may walk in your truth. That's what we need to know. And that's what God can teach us. Because he is Lord. And he is the one who is blessed. Well, the psalmist uh, goes back to uh, speaking in relation to the word of God as he, in verse 13, says, With my lips I declare all the rules of your mouth. With my lips I declare. I want you to, to see that all the goodness, all the, the, the blessing, all of the truth, all of the transforming of our mind, everything that the word of God does through the power of God in us is not something we just receive for our own benefit. It does benefit us. It does change us, and we do need it. But it is also for the purpose of others to hear. With my lips, I declare. And why would the psalmist want to declare what's on his lips, what's in his heart uh, before people? 
Uh, a matter of fact, the rules of God's mouth. Why would he want to, to do that? Well, he understands, uh, as it says in 2 Timothy 2, 8, 9, Remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, the offspring of David, as preached in my gospel, for which I am suffering, bound with chains as a criminal, but the word of God is not bound. See, the world may uh, suppress the truth and unrighteousness. It may not want to acknowledge that there is a God, but that is not going to keep God's word from going forth because those who have been taught, those who understand grace and mercy and salvation in Jesus Christ will with their lips declare. It is a reminder of what it says in, in, in Hebrews chapter 4 in relation to the Word of God and what it is like. Uh, the Word of God is living. It's active. It's sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. See, God's Word is not just a book. It is not just words on a page, because it is the eternal Word of God. And it is living, it is active, it transforms, it changes, it, it impacts. It is a, a catalyst for a different mindset, a different way of life. Actually, the, the, the way in which the gospel, good news of Jesus Christ, goes forth. It is, as the psalmist says on Psalm 119, a little bit later in 105, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. So the word of God, something that is going to come forth from my lips, something that I declare is that, yes, there are many paths to take, but there is one that is uh, uh, guaranteed to not lead you in a wrong direction, to not put you into a situation where you are alone and, and no one there with you because God's word is a lamp uh, to our feet. It actually illuminates uh, so that we can see where we're going, uh, so that our feet do not stumble over things in the dark. And it is a light to my path. It continues to, to guide me and to, to uh, help me be able to go where I need to go. It is also, as Paul encourages um, young Timothy in 2 Timothy 3, 15, 16, and 17, where it says, And how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. So right there, the, the scriptures are, are what uh, we need to know in relation to salvation. All scripture is breathed out by God and is profitable. So again, it's not just a book. The words are breathed out by God as he, uh, through each and every unique writer, penned the eternal word of God that is without error, that is pure, that is our authority that is everything pertaining to life and godliness. It's profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be competent, equipped for every good work. So this is why the psalmist, with his lips, declare the very words of God, the words that come from the mouth of God. And then finally, uh, the last three verses, 14, 15, and 16, I'm going to... Uh, put and speak to together. And there's four phrases I want you to notice in those verses. I want you to notice the phrase, I will delight, I will meditate, I will fix my eyes on your ways, and I will not forget. I will delight. It says, I will delight as much as in all riches. 
You know what? All riches, past, present, and future, do not even come close to fulfilling what the Word of God does in uh, delighting us and filling us uh, in ways unmanageable. Because, you know, you, we need money in order to buy things and to have things and to have affluence and to have power and to do all these things that we, we want to do. But as we know, they all end up empty. And the Word of God, which God has given to us for our benefit, is far beyond all those riches combined. I will enjoy the benefit of its impact because God's Word does something that nothing in this world can do. Um, it is a benefit that impacts me for eternity because it shows me who God is and why I need a Savior and just how awful sin is and how good God is. I will delight as I experience it firsthand. I've tasted and seen that the Lord is good, that I, He will never leave me nor forsake me, uh, that He is with me till the end. Uh, and all the things, all the promises of the Word of God come true because God is faithful uh, and he does not change. And when God says it, God does it. I, I will delight and adore it as the most precious thing I have. Uh, and there are many things that we can see as precious in our lives. Uh, I can look and see just how uh, many precious things I have in my own personal life that have been blessed with uh, a godly, life, uh, godly wife who loves the Lord. Uh, I've been blessed with precious children, four of which are here, three of which are waiting for us at, uh, in heaven. Uh, I have many precious things to, uh, that I have in relation to my health, uh, that I have friends, uh, that I have family, uh, and all these things. Uh, and I adore uh, what I have in the Word of God. I adore God himself as the most precious thing that I have because he is the one who made me, and I am nothing without him. I will delight and appreciate it with a thankful heart, realizing that, yes, I have the, the power to, to do things, but I am nothing without the power of God. And I will delight as I gaze upon it with my eyes ready to take it all in, fixing my eyes on God's ways and not the ways of this world. The second phrase is, I will meditate. Meditate means to pour over, to chew on, to wrestle with. Uh, listen to what James Montgomery Boyce says. He says, meditation is recalling what we have committed to memory and then turning it over and over in our minds to see the fullness, uh, fullest implications and applications of the truth. So in other words, as we meditate, as we chew on the truth of God's word and we take a look at it and see how profoundly different it is than the, the mindset of this world, to see that it does truly change who we are. That God is truly the answer for the, the hopelessness that I had before uh, Jesus Christ. I will just pour on it. I will chew on it. I will meditate on it and wrestle with it uh, each and every day because I know it will give me what I need when I need it. I will fix my eyes on your ways. That's phrase number three. Knowing that my eyes inspire, that my eyes impact, that my eyes even initiate the attitudes of my heart. And so my focus should be on God and His ways. And finally, I will not forget. We need to be reminded each and every day of God's goodness. 
And what I've done, and I'll close with this, is I've taken and answered as I take a, a section summation of, of verses 9 through 16 of how do I make this a reality? How do I enact it so that I do not forget? And I'll read this as, as we close. By making the conscious choice to keep my way pure, guarded from the nastiness of sin, with every ounce of my being and with everything that is within me, to keep me from what I am prone to do, which is wandering from your truth. So I will store your truth deep within my heart to guard and guide me in the day of trouble. Because you alone deserve my obedience and praise as you patiently teach me all that I need to know to live the life you have graciously given. Not withholding the joy from everyone else who needs to know so that they, along with me, may delight and meditate on the unchanging and eternal God and his beautiful word. Let's close in a word of prayer. Gracious Heavenly Father, we do thank you for the purifying power of your word in our lives. May this second section in Psalm 119 encourage us today, uh, as it's Wednesday midweek. Uh, may it propel us into the remainder of this week. May your word be that which I meditate upon, uh, that I do not forget, that I fix my eyes upon uh, in the remaining uh, hours of this day as well as the, this week. Uh, and Lord, we look forward to the time when we can gather together again as uh, believers, as we corporately gather for the purpose of giving you the honor, the praise, and the glory. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, God bless you, church family, and have an awesome remainder of uh, this week.